The gospel reading for this morning comes from Luke's gospel, beginning in the first chapter at the 67th verse. And this is the song of Zechariah. You might remember that Zechariah came to the temple nine months prior, and uh, the angel Gabriel appeared to him and told him that he was to have a son. And Zechariah and Elizabeth were older, and he didn't quite believe it. So the angel Gabriel struck him dumb. He did not speak for nine months. When his mouth was opened again, this is what he said. Then Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He came and set his people free. He set the power of salvation in the center of our lives and in the very house of David, his servant, just as he promised long ago through the preaching of his holy prophets, deliverance from our enemies and every hateful hand, mercy to our fathers as he remembers to do what he said he'd do, what he swore to our father Abram, a clean rescue from the enemy camp, so we can worship him without a care in the world, made holy before him as long as we live. And you, my child, prophet of the highest, will go ahead of the master to prepare his ways. Present the offer of salvation to his people, the forgiveness of their sins, through the heartfelt mercies of our God, God's sunrise will break in upon us, shining on those in the darkness, those sitting in the shadow of death, and then showing us the way, one foot at a time, down the path of peace. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Pray with me, please. Come, Lord Jesus. Make us discontent with the present, eager for the future. Come, Lord Jesus. Give us confidence that you hear us when we cry out, that you not only hear, but that you also come to us and care about us. Come, Lord Jesus. Give us your promise to new heavens and new earth. Bless us with your presence. Come stand among us, beside us. Save us from the world. Save us from ourselves. Amen. Many years ago now in India, a group of men traveling through a desolate country found a seriously wounded man lying beside the road. And they carried him to a Christian mission hospital some distance away and asked the missionary physician who met them at the door 
if a bed was available for the man. And the physician looked at the man and immediately saw that he was an Afghan, a member of the warring Patau tribe. Bring him in, he said. For him, we have a bed. When the physician examined the man, he found that an attacker had seriously injured his eyes and that the man's sight was impaired. And the man was desperate with fear and rage, pleading with the doctor to restore his sight so that he could find his attacker and exact retribution. I want revenge, he screamed. I want to kill him. After that, I don't care whether I am blind for the rest of my life. And the doctor told the man that he was in a Christian hospital, that Jesus had come to show us how to love and forgive others, even to love and forgive our enemies. And the man listened but was unmoved. He told the doctor that Jesus' words about forgiveness were nice but meaningless. Revenge was the only goal, vengeance the only reality. So the doctor rose from his bedside saying that he needed to attend to other patients and he promised to return that evening to tell the man a story, a story about a person who took revenge. But when he returned that evening, the doctor began his story. Long ago, he recounted the British government had sent a man to serve as envoy to Afghanistan. But as he traveled to his new post, he was attacked on the road by a hostile tribe, accused of espionage and thrown into a shabby makeshift prison. There was only one other prisoner, and the men suffered through their ordeal together. They were poorly clothed, badly fed, and mistreated by the guards. Their only comfort was a copy of the Book of Common Prayer, which had been given to the envoy as a special farewell gift by his sister in England. She had inscribed her name along with a message of goodwill on the first leaf. And this book served the men not only as a source for their prayers, but also as a diary, as a place to record their daily experiences. And the margins of the prayer book became a journal of their anguish and their faith. Now the two prisoners were never heard from again. Their families and friends waited for the news that never came. They simply vanished without a word, leaving those who loved them with uncertain grief. Over 20 years later, a man browsing through a secondhand bookstore found the prayer book. How it got there, no one can say. But after reading some of the journal entries in the margin, he recognized its value, located the sister, whose name was in the front of the book, and sent it to her. With deep heartache, she read every entry. And when she came to the last one, she noted that it was in different handwriting. And it said simply that the two prisoners had been taken from their cell, publicly flogged, and then forced to dig their own graves before being executed. At that moment, she knew what she must do. Her brother had died a cruel death at the hands of torturers in a rundown Afghan jail. And this injustice must be requited. She must exact revenge. But Christian revenge. 
She was not wealthy, the doctor continued, but she marshaled all the money that she could, and she sent it to that mission hospital. And her instructions were that the money was to be used to keep a bed free at all times for a sick or wounded Afghan. That was to be her revenge for her brother's torture at the hands of Afghans and his death in that country. And the wounded man was quiet, silenced by this story of such strange revenge. And my friend, said the doctor, you are now lying in that bed. Your care is her revenge. Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth are old, well past the age of childbearing. Nevertheless, God has given them a son, John, whose life is caught up in the designs of God. And on the eighth day after John's birth, his parents bring him to the temple for naming and to be circumcised. And Zechariah also answers the question that is in everyone's hearts. Just who will this child become? The birth of a child is a tremendous gift, both to the parents and to the world. In each is placed the seeds of possibility. And to raise that child in a loving and nurturing environment is to unwrap a portion of that gift every day. The life of a child is filled with promise. If a child grows up to make the most out of their gifts and abilities, some level of greatness will be achieved. The world will change. Now the prophets had spoken of a time when Israel separated and alienated from God because of sin and disobedience would once again be gathered and then united with God. But a people separated through sin generally don't come back to God on their own. They generally wait to be summoned, to be assured of God's forgiveness somehow, some way, once again. Zechariah envisions, Zechariah prophesies that this will happen through the life and ministry of his child. That he sees that John will go ahead of the Messiah to proclaim his ways. And that at the end of an age and the very beginning of a brand new one, the first message to be preached, the last message to be preached, is one of forgiveness. It is the very beginning of good news. Now later on, Jesus will demand a lot out of us. He will teach us about the narrow way that leads to life, and we will wander from that way. But not one little piece of our sin is able to defeat this beginning of the good news. Theologian Soren Kierkegaard wrote, and I quote, By forgiveness... Love hides a multitude of sins. I believe that what is seen has come into existence from what is not seen. I see the world, but what is not seen I do not see. That I believe. 
Similarly, in forgiveness and sin, there is a relation of faith of which we are rarely aware. Just as one by faith believes the unseen into what is seen, so the one who loves by forgiveness believes away that which is seen. Both are faith. Blessed is the believer. He believes what he cannot see. Blessed is the one who loves. He believes away that which he indeed can see. End quote. So at the end of an age, at the end of the church here, this Christ the King Sunday, the beginning of the good news is this. For us, for those who dwell in the land of darkness, light has come. God has sent John the Baptist to tell us the way back home. And that way, that good news has two steps to it. The first step is simple honesty. We sin. We fall short of the glory of God. We wander, we lie. We don't know how to save ourselves by ourselves. This is repentance. The simple admission that in our sin, we need to be forgiven. And the second step, it's related to the first. God forgives. Now God in Jesus will have much to say to us. But don't you think it's interesting that the last words of an old age and the first words proclaiming the arrival of a new age, the first words that front load this incredible story, they're all about forgiveness. We can be washed, made clean, born anew. We can start over fresh, full of potential, much like a newborn. God forgives. Come home. God forgives. Amen.